Jesus is our all in all. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you, Lord, for sustaining us. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Father, in these few minutes remaining together, a short time, I thank you, Lord, for continuing to speak through your word to us. We thank you, Lord, for the marvelous healings, Lord, we saw. You're the great emancipator, the liberator of our souls. We thank you, Jesus. Just one touch from you, Lord, truly causes dramatic transformations in our lives. We look to you this morning, Father, on behalf of ourselves, on behalf of our families, Lord. And speak to us again, Father, we pray, through this Gospel of Mark. We love you, Lord. We praise you, oh, Father. We thank you. We thank you. Thank you. Jesus' holy name, we thank you. Amen. Mark chapter 8. We read about how the Lord Jesus said he won't give a miraculous sign to the people who already had plenty of signs. And he just came to that place and he left that place. He got back into the boat and left him. He went to certain places and he did miracles. When people were not sincere, they were not really looking to follow him and they wanted him to put on the show, he left. It's not unlike the temptation that came in the wilderness. The same devil got into the Pharisees and wanted to test and try and corner Jesus and make a mockery about the the love of God and the mercy of God and the power of God. And the Lord goes and he teaches the disciples in verse 14. But the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. As they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, Watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Herod. We just heard about Herod again in the recap. He said, watch out for these people. They have a doctrine. They have a teaching. The disciples were still dulled in their understanding. At this, it's written in verse 16, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Perhaps they're pointing at one another. I thought, I thought you brought it. It was your turn. You didn't do it. And now we don't have any bread. And look, Jesus is upset because we didn't bring any bread. He doesn't want us to go to the Pharisees and get their bread. Who forgot it? Who dropped the ball this time? Jesus knew what they were saying. So he said, why are you arguing, arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? In the New King James it says, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? It's interesting that he's talking to his disciples in a similar manner that he would speak to the multitudes in talking about 
their inability to comprehend. They would talk about the multitudes, especially. We see that even in the end of the book of Acts, Paul the Apostle, telling the Jewish leaders that he gathered together at Rome, a grand opportunity for them to hear and repent concerning the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. These people, they began to dispute with one another. And Paul said, You don't deserve to hear this. This message is going to be taken away from you and given to the Gentiles. And he quoted Isaiah saying that well did Isaiah say about you. He spoke rightly, the Holy Spirit did through the prophet of our fathers. Then go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear, and shall not understand. And seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. I'm in Acts chapter 28-27. As we make a cross-reference to this state of dullness that can come upon any one lest they should see with their ears and hear with their ears lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them therefore let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles and they will hear it and when he had said these words the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves they were already in a disagreement According to verse 25, before Paul said this, he said this one word is written, one word or one statement, a defining statement about their spiritual willful condition that they chose. Now, although the words may sound similar, the Lord is not indicting the disciples for not believing the gospel message of who he is, but he is talking about this dullness that can come. And can you see this as a mirror? Should we not understand? These are his followers he's talking to. Is it possible? Beloved, is it possible that we may be hard of hearing spiritually? That there can be times in which we can actually, having eyes, not see. We pray for this. We pray for this continually. That in our church, people's eyes will be wide open to see and perceive exactly what the Lord is saying and not miss the trajectory of wisdom and what direction God is trying to send everyone so that everything in their lives and families will become fruitful. But it takes counsel and it takes understanding to value the counsel of God and then to follow through on the details. In this case, they sure had details. And Jesus says as much. He said, When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said to him, Twelve. 
Also, when I broke the seven for the four thousand, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? Large baskets. And they said, seven. So he said to them, how come you don't understand? How is it you do not yet understand? In other words, why are you thinking in natural means and in a carnal, worldly way? I'm the Lord of the supernatural. I'm teaching you something deeper. I'm always directing you toward the mysteries of the kingdom and things beneath the surface. And they kept floating on the superficial level. He's trying to take them deeper to understand the workings of Almighty God and how he's exposing that there is a leaven or a yeast which is concerning the doctrine of these enemies of God. Now let's make a reference here quickly because what I just said is not stated explicitly here but it is in Matthew 16. Matthew 16, verses 5 to 12. Let's just read that quickly. Would someone please read Matthew 16, verses 5 to 12? Matthew 16, 5 to 12. Now when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Herod is included. Pharisees are included. The Sadducees are included as we look at both of these scriptures in Matthew and Mark. And they reason among themselves saying, it is because we have taken no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Nor of the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up? How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? You see some of the details that are filled in by uh, either author of these Gospels, still speaking by the Holy Spirit, Look at the four Gospels, the three synoptic Gospels and the Gospel of John. We look at it together as the Spirit of God helps us to compare Scripture with Scripture and we see more of the details fill in from different angles the whole picture. The Lord says here explicitly, how is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? If I would be in that situation among these disciples, these men were sincerely following the Lord. So they were not of the type that Paul indicted in Acts 28 or Jesus indicted regarding his enemies who refused the gospel. But it's possible to be a follower of Jesus and be dull. He upbraided them because of the unbelief as written, even in his post-resurrection appearance. He found fault with them at a certain point. Now Jesus doesn't come to condemn us. He doesn't come to keep finding fault. He does not strive with us always. He knows our frame, we're dust. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. He loves us. He has compassion, great compassion. He's the most compassionate person. It's true. 
but he's a God of wisdom and he's a God who doesn't like darkness to be invited by his people because this dullness can affect the life. It can deny the truth. It can remain immature. God is all about progress, real progress. God is all about real blessing and growth. That's why he exposes any darkness, any dullness. And just as we would expect that child, let's say in fifth grade in school, to be at a certain level. The child cannot insist on wanting to do basic addition in math class. The child cannot insist on doing the very, very basics of grammar that he or she might have learned in first grade. A child that is normal otherwise, that refuses to advance with the rest of the class, must be pointed out, not to be disgraced and ashamed or put to shame, although the sense of shame is a good thing at times, because that will actually cause us to take a realistic look at where we are, where we should be, and why we haven't gone further, and whether the fault lies with us, so that we can change, we can repent. The teacher or parent may question the child, and why do you insist on doing kindergarten math when you're in fifth grade? You're capable. You're well able. Oh, I don't want to. It may be a question of laziness. And so there can be a spiritual laziness and dullness. We ought to pray when we read passages like this, not just to say, well, look at these disciples. There they go again. The Bible is not just a history book, but it is a mirror for us to look at and say, would I have said this if I was among the crowd of these disciples? Would that be my first thought? If the Lord talks about leaven, bread of the Pharisees, would I immediately start thinking about, well, maybe I forgot to take bread? Who forgot to take bread? Would I have understood that he's connecting this with his enemies? There's something deeper over here. It's a good question to ponder and say, Lord, I don't want to be dull, Lord Jesus. Lord, when I read your word, when I hear the counsel of God coming from the shepherds, when there are particular details I may not perceive at the moment, I've learned to trust and obey, to go forward with what God says. Having that understanding, basic understanding, that God will reveal if I press in and not stand still and reject and stick to my own notions. It's a very real danger for our spiritual progress then we begin to go forward because we understand what the Lord is saying is not just surface level, never is, never. His counsel has eternal implications and benefits. But it takes a person who's mentally agile, spiritually alert. We can talk about mental agility when it comes to quick thinking or reasoning capacities in the areas of business or in practical matters that requires um, a bit of wisdom to handle matters in this world, basic things. The same is true in the spiritual realm. We need to be alert. Didn't God say, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation? 
the best and quickest remedy for any dullness that maybe they're even not perceived by us is to continually pray sincerely, Lord, whatever faults I read over here, whatever things that you charge your disciples to correct them lovingly, Lord, I don't want to fall into these things. Help me to be alert, Jesus. Lord, help me. Then they understood. They did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine, the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And in the book of Mark, we see the teaching of Pharisees and of Herod, whatever poison these people were uh, distributing, like bread, to the masses. Jesus was distributing the real bread, the living manna, the bread from heaven. And these people were distributing their own poisonous bread. Yeast in a negative sense. We read about the kingdom of God, or we will again. It's like yeast that a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, and the whole became leavened. That's a positive description of yeast. Its ability to quickly permeate and multiply. But in most cases, including this case, and we've seen this in our Old Testament studies, in Exodus and Leviticus, that yeast was a negative thing. That they should know. No yeast should be found in the house, especially during the time of the Passover. In Exodus 12, he says, Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. We recall our reading. On the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off or put to death in Israel. It's a description of this leaven that has a negative application. So we read the scriptures. In this case, it's a negative application. In the case of the parable, it's a positive application. They reasoned, but their reasoning was carnal. Don't you want to think like God? That whenever the Lord speaks to you, whenever the Lord gives you counsel, whenever the Lord redirects you perhaps, it seems counterintuitive in the carnal, natural understanding, but you come to realize whatever God says to do is the truth, even if I can't perceive it readily. Even if I can't perceive it readily. And I want to grow to the point where I can understand everything God wants me to do, everything he's saying. There's a growth. We ought to desire that. And that's the point of this um, explanation here. As we read this passage, we need to desire, Lord, no more spiritual dumbness. I can't come and assume I have this, I have that, I have everything. I must come humbly and say, Lord, there are things that I yet need to grow into. As we often mentioned, chronologically in years, in the physical um, accumulation of years of existence in this world doesn't necessarily and often does not equate to spiritual maturity. But when a person is 
drinking the milk of the word, as is written in the book of Peter, eager, very eager, hungry for the pure milk of the word of God, and then hungering further for righteousness and thirsting for more, and God begins to help them to exercise their senses, as we read in Hebrews not too long ago. They're able to discern and receive the meat of the word. And with exercise, they're able to take more. We're able to grow. But you see a very uh, proactive part that we have to play, recognizing it's possible for a disciple to be dull. I don't want that, Lord. Help me. I want to grow. Then he came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, we talked about this spittle or saliva from the Son of God. There's a specific reason he did that. Certainly, it's something very intimate that he's the creator. And there's a transfer of the anointing. We talked about the garment carried the power. The very clothing carried the power of the Son of God. Whatever touched his body was able to receive power for deliverance and healing when the Lord willed. When the need was there. And here, he spits on the man's eyes who had no sight. He's in darkness. But the saliva from the Lord Jesus and the touch of his hands begins to change things. The intimacy is seen in parallel to how God didn't just command breath enter into Adam, but there was a very intimate creative act where he breathed into Adam's nostrils. Talk about CPR. Those of you who have done CPR or learned it, I've had to learn it on several occasions over the years, many years ago. But you see when they practice on the dummies that you have to tilt the chin and tilt the head back and Squeeze the nostrils if you're going to breathe into the mouth. That's something very intimate. It's something very intimate to revive. It's a, the breath from one human being going into another human being to resuscitate. Jesus Christ cares so deeply and he's so involved that even with the lepers he touched them he didn't have to he didn't have to he can just say go your way go show yourself to the preacher healed on many occasions and many not recorded of course and you have snapshots of how great he is and how loving he is and how powerful he is he asked him if he saw anything and he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. I mean, they, 
I just see images of like trees that are walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. In the ministry of healing and the ministry of the word, there's a perseverance required. And certainly the Lord could have done it instantly. He's done that many times. But not only do you see the progressive nature of some of his divine interventions by way of miracles, not everything is instantaneous, but God is working even when we don't see anything happening because God is true. And whoever touches him by faith will receive the miracle, the deliverance, the blessing. And the dark is working. This man was able to perceive the progress. Maybe the people who saw that the Lord led him out of the town. We talked about Bethsaida. Woe unto Bethsaida. As well as Capernaum. Chorazin. And what happens? He takes this man outside of the town. Away from all that unbelief. Generally speaking in that town. But maybe they were wondering why is it taking so long? Maybe they could see in the distance in the outskirts of the town from where they were that something maybe is not working out this time because there's an interview happening there. I don't see instantaneous healing and him running back and jumping up and down that he got cured. There's a dialogue happening. Maybe something's gone wrong. No. Nothing's gone wrong. The Lord is on the scene. When the Lord is showing some things, we see the evidence of his perseverance in doing the Father's will. He knew what he came to accomplish. He's not giving up. We see his compassion that he's sticking with the man until the healing comes. You see the opportunity for faith for that man. Imagine if he tore away from the Lord. I thought you'd heal me. I thought I can see like other people I, maybe he's heard about. What's happened here? What's gone wrong? And doubt and then running back and saying, he restored my sight all right, but I see people like trees. I don't even know what I'm supposed to be seeing. I'm having a pity party. Oh, God, why is it taking so long? God, why has this happened like this? God, why? He also was there with the Lord Jesus. Several things the Lord is bringing up. It's not because God couldn't do it. He knows what he's doing and why he does things a certain way. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. While we're ministering the word, we need to have patience. We need to have perseverance. We need to have compassion. We need to have faith. We need to stick to the business God said to stick to and continue until the job is complete. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. I recall with Khalil, Mimi's grandson, that he expected to see and didn't happen right away in church, but then Pascal was short with the gift of faith operating as well as the gift of healing. 
the word of wisdom to counsel the child what to do to thank God many gifts were operating suddenly the spirit of God was operating through her and we got that text from Mimi the child is saying grandma I can see I can see and she said stop playing these are the words I remember no he said I can see I believe he was legally blind and that one eye and the other eye also needed healing I believe and there's another prayer made and God cured him he didn't need those glasses this is not a just a small vision problem as most of you know in the church the Lord did a progressive miracle there it was actually a miracle that began on one level and completed how awesome the Lord is now we need to learn from every passage really look to the Lord and say Lord what are you showing me Lord God I see this and I rejoice how you demonstrated your faithful love how you stuck with the person until they were cured can we not trust the Lord Jesus that what he's begun he will complete that when there's a situation that seemed to take longer than usual and the devil comes and says where's your Jesus how come you don't have this and that and why and look at what the people say we keep our eyes fixed on the one who will eventually calm every storm he will rescue us he is a deliverer he's an almighty deliverer this man was restored and he sent him away to his house saying neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town now I had alluded to this passage in conjunction with Matthew 7 maybe on the evening call but now we read it and certainly the Lord has spoken may we take these lessons to heart and have great faith because God has set many precedents for us we have no excuse for any unbelief but a great admiration and expectation my God will solve my troubles if he can heal the blind could he not have done this they said at the tomb of Lazarus could not this man have done this he did so many wonderful things could he not have kept this man alive and the Lord sighed deeply yes he can do all things well as Job said all things well and he demonstrated I am the resurrection and the life everything that he does produces life to the one who has faith in him not only our quality of life in our natural circumstances which is very important to God very important to us but even deeper something that transcends to eternity a spiritual life he imparts real life so that our lives 
are able to reproduce life when the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor because he has sent me to heal the people whose hearts are torn into pieces. Oh God, flow through us to set the prisoners free, these war prisoners. The battle against the enemy has got them in captivity. Sent me to set those people free. And recovery of sight to the blind. Physical miracles and the biggest miracles, spiritual miracles. Opening of the eyes to see, to perceive. I need Jesus more than physical life itself. To set at liberty the people who are being crushed, oppressed, or bruised. And to proclaim or preach or publish the year of the Lord's favor, the acceptable year of the Lord. This is what God has called us to do. And every time you and I perceive and see how Jesus acted in situations, and he says, as we heard in John 14 yesterday in the Life Training School class, greater works than these shall you do who? Who believe in me. Blessed be the rock. Father in heaven, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this treasure that you've given us in the Word of God. Oh, Jesus, breathe into us. Our dear Heavenly Father, blessed Comforter, our Helper, Holy Spirit, change us, O Lord. Continue to bless your people, Lord. Lord, as we've been praying for various people in the body of Christ here, supernatural intervention in their healing. Abba Father, your hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Nothing. And Lord, you've called us to trust in you and only believe, only believe. Thank you, Lord, for quickening our faith as a church this El Bethel International Ministries Church would be among those on the earth when you return you'll say I found faith and not be concerned that there's no faith oh Jesus we give you all the glory honor and praise because you will complete what you started Abba Father thank you Lord Thank you, Lord, for distributing the heavenly bread this morning. Abba Father, that we can eat, be satisfied and nourished and strengthened as we go forward boldly, knowing that through God we shall do valiantly. We shall accomplish the purposes of God yet. All the failures are behind and we reach forward for success for the prize of the calling, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus for everyone here and for our family members as we pray for their eyes to open. Whoever is not seeing the truth, whoever is not fellowshipping in this house of God,
where the river of life is flowing freely. Because you're there, Lord. You're the God of the house of God. We pray for families to come and worship in the temple of God where God is. That they too may see miracles in their own lives. In every sphere, Lord, you shatter every shackle. That's who you are, hallelujah. And Lord, you want to use everyone in the same business of doing the Father's will. Setting multitudes free. Oh, how exciting. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that the people that sat in darkness in Fort Jervis, multitudes, street after street, they're in darkness. They've seen a great light. Oh, it would be, it will be past tense soon. Hallelujah. As your revival spreads, not only in Fort Jervis, but the surrounding regions. Thank you, Lord, for coming with salvation. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you. Amen. Amen. Praise be to Jesus. Hallelujah.